Let me thank first off Darren or uh, Lance. Lance, who one week gave a fantastic message from Leviticus about Saurat, about what it really should mean to us in terms of our taming our tongue. And last week, of course, Darren and Sabrina, having gotten off the plane Friday from Israel, showed up Saturday and presented you with some fantastic memories of our trip from Israel. And more than that, they gave, Darren at the end, gave a beautiful perspective that was very meaningful to, I hope, to you if you are a Messianic Gentile. And so this is where I want to start, because here's the thing, I'm going to let you in on a secret today. I'm Jewish. <laughs> um, I, I have been that way as long as I can remember. One of my brothers actually did a genealogical study on some of my ancestors, who one of whom was a some famous rabbi in what was what is now Ukraine, led a community there, and and so he, he one of my great great somethings I'm not sure which, but he was a scholar, and I've attended Hebrew school. I became a bar mitzvah when I was 13. I grew up living a Jewish life at home. I've been put in incredibly uncomfortable situations about being related to being Jewish. I understand anti-Semitism. I understand Jewish jokes, and I understand a lot of things. I also know Jewish culture. I know Jewish humor. I know Jewish complaining. I know Jewish guilt. I know a lot about being Jewish but I don't actually talk about it that much. And first of all, because there's a lot I don't know. Um, when I was six years old, we left the Orthodox synagogue. Then we went to the conservative synagogue and the reform. And so, I mean, I know, I know a lot about the denominations of Judaism too, but there's a lot I don't know. I don't live an Orthodox Jewish life. I'm using an iPad, I drove to synagogue and I played guitar today. Those are, those are not orthodox observances. <clears throat> but, you know, and I'll, I get questions sometimes from people, halakhic questions, halacha, you know, it's from the word holech, to walk out, it's what's the law, what's, how do we do this, what, do, sh should we do this this way, how do we do this, how many do we count, should we count, all these questions. You know, all I do is I dig right into my file which contains all of the halacha ever written in Judaism, and I just spout out the answer immediately to you when I get that. I don't do that because there's a lot I don't know. So I have to look things up and learn and then share with you. But I'm not, I'm not an Orthodox Jew. Orthodox Judaism is not the answer to every problem. There's a lot of things within Orthodox Judaism that need help. But knowledge and understanding of Judaism is not one of those things in Orthodox Judaism. So <clears throat> there, there are a lot of things that I don't know. I never claim to be super Jew or all-knowing rabbi. But as I said, I've been Jewish as long as I can remember, and I know a few things, but I don't talk about it that much. And there's one really particular reason why I don't often do that in this setting, and it's because... Throughout history, um, well, and, and even sometimes in Messianic Judaism, there's a, there's a certain perception of superiority that sometimes Jews take on. 
And I never want to give the impression that I think I'm special or better or superior or holier or more consecrated, connected, or any other of the accusations that are sometimes directed at Jewish people, particularly in Messianic synagogues, which is odd, but it's true. I don't ever want to do that. But, Doug, back from Israel, surrounded by memories and hope and expectation and excitement about what, has, what God has done, is doing in the land for and with the people, my people, I do want to talk a little bit of Jewishness today. Um, and it's in connection to your life and your connection to God. Because while superiority and holier than thou and all those things, those are not words that I would ever lay claim to because of Judaism, there is one word that I would lay claim to. And you can complete this sentence for me. The Jewish people are God's blank people. Chosen. That's, that's a word. That's a word that I get to say I'm with it. Why? It's a biblical concept, first of all. It's biblical. Psalm 135, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. Deuteronomy 14, 2, you're a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his personal possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you. There are many, many others like that. And yes, we find all kinds of, of scriptures in the New Testament that speak of God's calling and, and cho choosing of the nations. I'm not suggesting that that's not the case, but the Torah came first, and the prophets came first, and these things that talk about the chosen people. And that idea has called what I will call mucho, has caused mucho mishigas for the Jewish people. You know what mucho means, right? A lot. Mishigas, you know what that means? Craziness. Struggle, strife, problems, because there's a lot of people who don't like the idea of the Jewish people being God's chosen people. Who would like it if your dad favored your sibling over you? Who wants dad to have favorites? Nobody. And so there's been a lot and historical attempts to say, Jews, written out of the story. They don't matter. God replaced them. And, and you, can, you can track all that. Because of this chosen status is part of it. God doesn't love them anymore. He, he replaced them. And yet, here's the funny thing. I stand before you as a Jewish man teaching the Bible from a Jewish perspective, a disciple of the Jewish Messiah who will return to Jewish soil in the land of Israel, which God swore to restore to the Jewish people. Favorites? No. God doesn't have favorites. But chosen, yes. And although I don't talk about that very often today, I want to because I'm thankful for that. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my people. I'm proud to be Jewish. I'm proud to have endured through a lot of bad stuff. That my people enduring through bad stuff. Terrible, terrible, terrible crimes of humanity. And proud to still be standing and fighting against that, to be part of that 
chosen people. But that word, chosen, chosen for what? Remember Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof, right? God, I know we're the chosen people, but every once in a while, could you just choose someone else? <laughs> chosen for what? Well, God is pretty explicit about that, and many have missed it. But we can find that in this week's Torah portion in, in Leviticus, particularly the part that talks about the festivals. It says in Leviticus 23.1 that these are the Lord's, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed times. Okay, that's Leviticus 21. Anyone ever heard this for it, this thing? I actually just heard it yesterday. That says, these are not Jewish festivals. These are God's festivals, okay? God's festivals. That goes one of two ways. Sometimes it's used positively when speaking to Gentiles about your ability to lay claim to these festivals because they're not exclusively Jewish. They're God's festivals. That's the positive phrasing of that. Then there's the negative phrasing of that, which you find much more commonly among Hebrew roots and, 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 and anti-Semites and different people who say, don't put any Jewish stuff in that. Those aren't Jewish days. Those are God's days, and we're doing it this way. Forget about all that Jewish stuff. It's, it's God's. Okay? Those are, the two, those are the two sides. And actually, the thing about them being God's festivals are true. Has anyone ever heard either of those presentations of Leviticus 21, 23? Of course. It's, it's, part of it is, is true. But within that very small section of Torah, there's a, it's, it's really important because we find a beautiful definition of what it means to be chosen. Okay? We need to back up just a bit into the Torah, though, and, and it's not far. We're in Leviticus 23.1. If we just back up to the end of 22 and remember that there are no numbers in the Torah. There's no chapter and verse written on that parchment. So there's a flow of information that's happening from what I'm about to read you into Leviticus 23. In chapter 22:31, it says, God, God says, So you shall keep my commandments and do them, I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out from the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Okay? That comes just before Leviticus 23. That little section, Leviticus 22:32, is called Israel's Bible in miniature. This verse, you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Why is it called that? The Bible in miniature for Israel? Because it contains the solemn warning given to the Jewish people to never profane God's name. And the positive precept that every Jew is to sanctify the name through his moral conduct, and even if necessary, to die for it. Sanctify, it means do not desecrate. It also means to elevate. 
That's God's commandment. Now, he's talking to the Kohanim, but it's been expressed and expanded to all of the Jewish people. That command is, is, is to the nation, not to desecrate. That is only a negative thing. That's, it's not hard to not do that. The other thing is really, really important. Elevate, make known, promote, proclaim the goodness of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what that means. And Moses' instruction in Deuteronomy 4, which comes later, says, See, I've taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you are to do these things in the land where you are entering to take possession of it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I'm setting before you today? Moses takes it to a whole nother level and he says this to make this connection for you. Chosen for you on some level is what it means. To be a light unto the nations. And part of that comes from, yes, these are God's festivals. That's what he says. These are my appointed times. Who did he tell to proclaim them? Who did he give the instruction to? Who has guarded? Who has sanctified these days? Chosen for a task, a job, a responsibility, a commitment, a calling, not just for other Jews, but for the whole world. The commercial, I mean, it's, it's very, very simple. Introducing God's festivals, brought to you by the Jews. who have proclaimed them as commanded in Leviticus 23, as part of what was commanded in Leviticus 22 to sanctify and elevate God's name in the world. Chosen for that, to guard, celebrate, pass them down, protect them, and brought them to you. You see, there's a reason you enjoy these holidays. Who likes Sukkot? Who likes Passover? Who likes the holidays? Of course you do. Why? Because they're God's. They're God's holidays. He never gave you any other ones. There's no place in the New Testament where Jesus says, oh, and by the way, nope, no more of that. Got a whole new set for you. You need to start doing all these holidays. No. It, it, and I just read this in an email from First Roots Design yesterday. It's outrageous and unheard of for the first century disciples to ever imagine that there would be other holidays that were created and that these holidays would go away because the Jews would guard them and would pass them down and do their job as chosen people. But there's a reason you like them. And as a matter of fact, they, these festivals are of particular importance for you. Between the Sabbath and Passover, probably 75% of the people that I ever meet who come to a Messianic synagogue, it's because of either the Sabbath or Passover. 
some festival, something. I mean, they're reading in the Gospels and they say, my goodness, as was his custom, Jesus was in the synagogue on the Shabbat. The Shabbat is in a, the Ten Commandments. And so if people ask, and then Passover, clearly it's a very, very important part of the life, death, resurrection of Yeshua. So yeah, Acts, Shavuot, Paul is trying to get back to Jerusalem to celebrate holidays. The book of Hebrews is all about the power of Yom Kippur imagery. But those two biggies, Passover and Sabbath, the two things that, that primarily connect people to the festivals and ultimately to the Torah and to Messianic Judaism and all this stuff, history, Christian history, beginning with the councils and Constantine, those two things in particular, there was a very concerted effort to write them out of the story, to keep you disconnected from all of this and from God's festivals. And who guarded them? Who kept them alive until today? Yes, they're God's festivals, but the chosen people brought them to you. That's part of what it means to be chosen, a responsibility. And here you are on Shabbat, having just celebrated Passover recently. You're counting up, counting the Omer. I mean, how many of you grew up thinking, I can't wait to count the Omer? <laughs> to Shavuot and, and aligning yourself with Israel and the Jewish people. Why? Well, that's part of the amazing story, isn't it? That's part of the amazing story that the Jewish disciples in the book of Acts were so incredibly dumbfounded by that the Gentiles would get to be part of any of this. And they saw what God was doing and they said, oh my goodness, we need to guide them in this path. We need to give them some basic instructions that can separate them from idolatry and paganism these four easy things, and then let's bring them into the synagogue where they can learn about Christmas and the East. No, not forget it. I'm not even slamming it. I'm just saying the holidays are a core component of your time and relationship with God brought to you by the chosen people. So, these are God's holidays. They're the Jewish holidays, in a sense, but they're your holidays as a child of God. There's, there's a reason that you had a curiosity when you read your Bible. It's because you've been grafted in to what? Grafted into what? To the tree of the chosen people. To the olive tree. You've been grafted into this. No Jewish people, no holidays, no connection. I remember talking to this guy, man, I hope he doesn't live stream, and I'm way off topic here, but it's all right. I was in the gym. He's a, he's a, can't remember what kind of pastor. Absolutely the definition of a fundamentalist. I mean, he is, he is everything you could ever imagine in a hardcore fundamentalist evangelical, like the guy who goes up and says, you know, Jesus, you're going to burn in hell if you don't. That kind of guy. And he's very nice. <laughs> but I remember talking to him one time about Hanukkah in the gym. 
He has no use for anything Jewish, I assure you. He refuses to call this a synagogue. He refuses to ever refer to me as rabbi. It's always pastor, always this, always that. And it's fine, I'm used to that. But I was talking to him about Hanukkah one time, which is actually a Jewish holiday. Um, that one we came up with because God did a miracle. For who? For the Jewish people. So we made a holiday out of it. But I was talking to him about that. And ultimately, he was bothering me, which is par for the course of every conversation, but I never let on. And I was telling him, do you know about Hanukkah? Yeah. And I said, do you, do you realize that, like, and this is a very bold statement, and I said it to him just to shock him, and it did. I said, no Hanukkah, no Jesus, man. If the Jewish people are wiped out, where does the Jewish Messiah come from? I don't know about that. I mean, he like... He was all bowed up. He's about 75, so it wasn't that much of an intimidating factor, but he was very, very, very upset. But I only did it to give him some perspective about the Jewish people and the holidays. It's sort of true. If all the Jewish people had been eradicated and every Jewish thing that ever existed went away, how do we get the Jewish Messiah? But that's another message. We won't do that right now. Because we did get the Jewish Messiah. Because Am Yisrael Chai, the Jewish people live. But you see, imagine, and I'm beating this horse to death just so he really sticks. Imagine if you looked and you read in your Bible and you said, as was his custom, he was in the synagogue every Sabbath or Passover or whatever. And there was no Sabbath or Passover or Feast of Tabernacles, which has gotten a lot of notoriety over the last 15 years. Everyone loves the Feast of Tabernacles. But had it not been for the chosen people doing their job, where would you be? Nowhere. There'd be nothing. No, it would be like looking for a Tyrannosaurus Rex walking down College Street. There aren't any. And if the Jewish people had not done their job, there wouldn't be any of this. And yet, here you are. Baruch Hashem, thank God. A number of you went to Israel to celebrate and put that into your heart. And that is an incredible, incredible honor. I am thankful. I am thankful that Israel... My people, the Jewish people, have been faithful to our chosen calling, which is to be a representative, appointed for a task and a responsibility and a job. I'm proud to be, especially after being in Israel for the last couple of weeks, I'm proud to be a Jew and continuing the mission to be a light to the nations. <clears throat> it's not favoritism. It's not holier than thou. It's a responsibility. And you might be thinking to yourself, I got up early for this. Who doesn't know this? A lot of people don't know this. And a lot of people don't ever pay attention to it. And you do. And that's part of the miracle. So 
I'm, I'm reinforcing. I'm reinforcing not to put the Jewish people on some supreme pedestal of holiness. I'm only saying, always remember that we've done our job. Not all of us, and I certainly don't do my job perfectly as a Jew. Chosen status, I'll tell you what, it does have a reward if you're willing to do the work because God has been faithful to the Jewish people. Even, even, even all the hard times and tragedy, the Jewish people continue to be blessed. But one of the greatest rewards of the chosen mission is this. This is actually the, the beautiful realization that I get to stand here with you and be a part of your life and be a part of Deuteronomy 4 and proclaiming the festivals. And then we do it together. And you see, that's what one new man is. One new man is the most abused and misunderstood theological concept maybe in the entire book. We are still Jews and Gentiles. I still have a role that I need to do. And you have a role that you need to do. And yet, in the beauty of Messiah, we do them together. So I was, I, yeah, we're counting the Omer together. Yes, we're going to celebrate Shavuot together. Because the Jewish people proclaim these festivals. We're part of the rich root. Whether you're natural, grafted in, all of us, I said earlier, we all actually have the chosen status, don't we? I got this little piece of, we went to this olive wood store and uh, in, I don't remember, somewhere. And of all the things that were there, the guy said, you can pick out something because we brought a tour group there. And I just picked this out randomly because he was putting a lot of pressure on me. But I realized it wasn't random, because nothing is. This, is. this is what chosen means. Chosen means chosen to serve. Yeshua called us to be disciples. He said, surely as I've washed your feet, so you should wash others. It's not about foot washing. It's about the mutual responsibility of being disciples of Yeshua, of being Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, and about serving one another and the world. That's what your chosen status means. You should honor it. You should. It should be meaningful that we are all chosen and connected together. Yes? Yeah. So that's your Jewish pride message for this for this year, maybe for the last five years. I don't know when I've done that before, but you know, it's about being responsible. Follow the good example of Israel. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord and you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So continue to sanctify. Continue now to take up that calling that was given to the Jewish people as you know, you now have 
that knowledge as well. And you too can proclaim all of the goodness of not only the festivals, but elevating his name. Continue to sanctify. But also, as you take the message out, remember the messengers that have brought it to this point. Am Yisrael Chai. The people of Israel live. And we will, thanks to the Messiah of Israel, live again together. Hashem Yeshua. Shabbat Shalom. Let's stand up.